The Alchemical Tech Revolution is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor by Spotify. That's anchor.fm. Hi folks, this is Wayne McCroy, host of the Alchemical Tech Revolution podcast. I'm here to tell you tonight about Anchor. Anchor is one of the best podcast distribution apps out there. Uh, They offer various ways to create, distribute, and monetize your podcast all for free, and they have some of the best built-in uploading, recording, and editing tools available in the industry. From start to finish, they can help you to set up your podcast. So if you are interested in starting a podcast, check out anchor.fm. Or if you are already a podcaster and you're looking for distribution solutions for your podcast, check out anchor.fm. Come with me.
You're listening to the Alchemical Tech Revolution, and I'm your host, Wayne McCroy. Welcome, everybody. Uh, tonight, we're going to discuss the hermetic science of motion and number. We're going to do lesson number three, the law of balance. The law of compensation rules throughout nature. It is an utter impossibility for force to be expended in one direction without being drawn from another. The negative and the positive are everywhere present in manifestations. There can be no good without evil, no gain without loss. Nothing can be received without giving. Everything must be paid for. The statement of Jesus, cast your bread upon the waters and it will return to you after many days, is an absolute scientific truth. You can never give up anything, can never sacrifice anything, without the law bringing the compensation. On the other hand, you can never acquire anything without the law requiring you to give something up in return. The law of renunciation is the very secret of all acquisition. Success can only be accomplished through sacrifice. The idea that so many people have that we can develop on all planes and on all lines, financially, materially, physically, spiritually, intellectually, etc., and reach the highest on all those lines is absolutely untrue. Man's spiritual progress is in direct ratio to his abandoning or renouncing the material, the physical. The same may be said of his intellectual progress. New thoughters are quite in the habit of making the statement, My own will come to me. And this is perfectly correct. Your own will always come to you. But your own is not that which you desire, but that which you embody, that which has become a part of your nature, of your very being. Therefore, in order to bring anything to you, you must first develop the counterpart of it within yourself. In a word, it is only as we polarize with a force or principle in nature that we are able to draw it to us. And I'm going to pause there, folks. This is talking about the law of attraction, okay? And, uh, you know, the, the opposite of that. It's talking about the polarity of this law of attraction, how uh, you could attract certain things towards you, but you also repel the opposite of that from you. So uh, let's continue on with the reading because it, it's, it's going to uh, probably play out here as we get further into this. The positive seeks the negative. Therefore, by simply sitting and desiring your own to come to you, you get nothing because you haven't anything to begin with. You may sit, hold your hands, and expect your own to come to you, and it will come because you have developed nothing within yourself. Therefore, your own is nothing. Consequently, the only way to acquire, to demonstrate anything, is by first developing the corresponding state within your own being. What we desire, that which becomes a dominant desire of our being, regulates and directs the activity of our principles. Evolution is by use all through life. It is by giving exercise to certain faculties, powers, attributes of the being that they are developed. During the time when the desire is centered upon material things, the being is completely insulated from the spiritual and of everything else. While on the other hand, when the mind is centered upon the desire for acquiring the spiritual or intellectual, it is insulated to the physical, the material, the commercial. Consequently, so long as one is trying to demonstrate financial success, it is an utter impossibility for him to demonstrate spiritual, moral, or intellectual success. And I'm going to pause right there, folks. And does not Jesus tell us in, in the Bible that seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you? 
this is kind of alluding to that same type of principle here, isn't it? Uh, when you think about it, because if you're centered on spiritual things, then uh, you're not thinking about material, okay, the material things and, and that kind of thing. So it's an important polarity that's set up here. It's an uh, attraction and repulsion type situation. Once again, it relates to the magnetic and the electric, okay, and all these things do. It's, it's the way the polarity works. Uh, so it, it's an interesting take on things here. So let's let's continue on through the reading here. It has been observed from time immemorial that a great knowledge of the truth, a deep insight into nature, a high spiritual character are never found in conjunction with a successful financial career. The apparent exceptions to this rule are found in the cases of those persons who have acquired their wealth by inheritance or in some accidental manner. The person who, by his own efforts, acquires wealth cannot, by the nature of things, acquire anything higher. This is the reason why mystics find it necessary to abandon business, commerce, the worldly life, in fact, all personal ambition, and in many instances take the vow of perpetual poverty, in order that they may develop spiritual knowledge and power. As long as the attention is concentrated upon the acquisition of wealth or anything of that character, anything of a physical nature, it is utterly impossible for it to come in touch with the higher realms, the higher planes of nature, and therefore get that spiritual force which will result in the spiritual development of the being. Likewise, selfishness of this character will prevent the acquisition of truth. The businessman attaches a commercial value to all things. Truth, for truth's sake, has to him absolutely no value. Because of this fact, we see that among these new thoughters and other modern philosophers who are holding to this idea of demonstrating success, these practical people who are always thinking of the commercial utility, the value from the standpoint of success of those things, pragmatism has become the dominant philosophical tendency. Pragmatism does not ask, is a thing true? But is it practical? Will it work? What can I do with it in my business? The pragmatic, pragmatic philosopher cares nothing for truth. He only cares for the utilitarian value of truth. And if he can use a lie as successfully as he can the truth, the one is equally valuable with the other. And I'm going to pause right there, folks. So you could see uh, from what uh, Mr. A.S. Raleigh is telling us here, uh, you remember that that whole commercial thing a uh, few years back, probably a decade back now or better. There was this thing that they called the secret, and uh, it was this whole program or whatever. It was advertised on television and stuff like that, and it talked about the law of attraction and how to attract wealth to yourself and stuff like that. Well, this is trying to use this principle here, but as you could see, as uh, you know. Mr. Raleigh tells us here, um, that is not how you get to truth. Uh, that was the acquisition of uh, these things for just for the sake of does it work. That's talking about this pragmatism. And uh, you can see how many of the uh, people in the business world today kind of use this utilitarian value of truth, as he calls it here or the utilitarian value of a lie, as long as it achieves the same goals for them, of getting them this, this wealth or this acquisition. So you see, this is a principle that could be misused, and that's what the author's warning against here, this, this principle, that if you're seeking this for the wrong reasons, it's going to backfire on you at some point. Okay, so 
when you're talking about the law of attraction and when you're talking about uh, one of those things that comes out like the secret um, where uh, it's talking about the law of attraction and how to garner wealth for yourself uh, you could see how this thing's doomed to end in failure because of this principle because it draws in uh, from this opposite polarity in that way because it does not lead you to truth it's it's this pragmatic philosophy does it work well, yes, it works to a certain degree, but if you're not seeking out something uh, with true value with it, and you're seeking only the physical, well, this is going to hinder you later in other ways. So uh, it's kind of a trade-off because it works on this polarity principle. So this would shut you off to spiritual things, okay, something like this. If you're just focused on acquiring wealth or, or anything of that sort, or acquiring something material, material goods, material things here in this world, in this realm we live in, then it shuts you off from all things spiritual. So that's that's kind of what he's talking about here. But uh, let's not belabor that point, and let's continue with the reading here. This tendency absolutely insulates the mind from the reception of truth, for the law governing the mental plane is such that in order to come in tune, in order to polarize with that plane and thus come into touch with the truth in its highest sense, it is absolutely necessary to be devoted without question, without any reserve whatever, to truth for its own sake, and not because of any personal utility which may be found therein. The only way by which truth may be attained is by an absolutely unselfish, disinterested attachment to it. If we aspire to use truth, we can never find it. Truth is a jealous mistress. She will not consent to be the tool of her lover, but must be met on her own plane and sought for her own sake. And I'm going to pause right there. And that absolutely backs up everything I, I just said. If you're you know, looking at trying to use this principle here just for the sake of acquiring uh, something else, some for your, your personal sake rather than uh, trying to find truth, well then it's, it's not going to end how you would like. So let's put it that way. Uh, back to the reading, though. Therefore, we can never arrive at an understanding of the truth except by giving up, abandoning, renouncing things of a material nature to an extent. And on the other hand, we cannot renounce, lose our interest in those things without, as a result, the mind being withdrawn from the material and turned to the higher things, and thus we attain to higher development and a realization of that which we seek. As long as the consciousness is centered in the self, as long as man thinks of all things in reference to how they affect him, he shuts himself off from the universe, which is governed by the spirit of the high, not that of the individual, and as a result, absolute knowledge, cosmic consciousness, becomes an utter impossibility. Because of this fact, the adherent of the New Thought movement, with its ultra-egocentric character, cannot possibly come into tune with the universe and acquire an understanding of absolute truth. Neither can he attain spiritual development because of the fact that he cuts himself loose from the great universal whole, and it is only by polarizing with this cosmic whole that man is able to understand it. And I'm going to pause there, folks. Um, this right here, he's talking about this quote-unquote new thought movement, and he's calling it, it's got an ultra-egocentric character. Uh, and he says this cannot possibly come into tune with the universe and acquire an understanding of absolute truth. Uh, and I, I think he's absolutely correct there. So you have some of these people uh, who are out there 
trying to tout. They know all these secrets or whatever, and they, they understand this, and they understand this law, uh, like the law of attraction and these different things, and they, they could do different things, or the law of one. I've, I've heard that one thrown around a lot. They understand this, and they could utilize this. They're, you know, they sell themselves as, as trying to be uh, like some kind of a guru or leader or something like that. Well, those people only being self-centric as they are cannot possibly have an understanding of truth and uh, you know often they they mislead people for the sake of profit of their own or they like the attention or that kind of thing well they have their reward in that okay and that's that reward is not the truth the unbiased truth so that being the case let's continue on with the reading i don't want to belabor that point too long only by identifying yourself with nature are you able to understand nature. Therefore, we can readily see that nothing is ever lost, but on the contrary, whatever we send forth is bound to return again sooner or later, because in giving we do not give away, but we make a deposit to nature. In the bank of nature we are making a deposit which will be paid sooner or later, not in the same coin which is deposited, but in a better, therefore, the more we give, the more we receive. By giving, we become the creditor of the universe. On the other hand, anything which we receive must be paid for in the same way, not in the coin which we have received, but in some other. By receiving, we become the debtor of nature and must pay the debt. This is why Jesus says, it is more blessed to give than to receive, because by giving, we are placing nature under obligations to us, and nature always fulfills her obligations. By receiving something which has not been earned, we are placing ourselves under obligations to nature, and she demands that all obligations shall be fulfilled. Sacrifice is, therefore, the very door to affluence. It is by giving that we receive. Self-sacrifice is, therefore, not a duty, but the best possible business policy. As we renounce all desire of material things, our attention is removed from them. Having become positive to the material things, we, as a result, become negative to spiritual and intellectual things, and consequently attract them to us. For this reason, the law of renunciation and self-sacrifice is the road to understanding, spirituality, and emancipation. The person who really deserves anything is bound to receive it merely because of deserving it, and the person who secures anything without having deserved it will find that the acquisition of the same has been a distinct disadvantage to him, shutting him off effectively from all progress after higher things. And I'm going to pause there, folks. Uh, this also lines up with the teaching in the Bible that uh, it's, it's easier... Uh, to pass through the eye of a needle, for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle, than for a rich man to get into heaven. Do you remember that allegory in the Bible? This is the same kind of thing that it's talking about. So the ones that gird themselves with like material wealth and you know this kind of stuff uh, without thinking in um, a spiritual type of way, or, or the ones that are bound up in the hyper-materialist view, okay, these are the ones that will suffer consequences later, all right? Uh, the ones that make the, these kinds of sacrifices it talks about here, these self-sacrifices um, in the material, they will have greater re rewards later when it comes to more spiritual type things. 
or not even necessarily spiritual. Let's let's continue on with the reading because this this goes in some interesting directions here. So uh, let's look at it, and all, it all operates on this whole polarity principle once again. So uh, we see uh, he talks about here that it's kind of like uh, making a deposit in the bank. Okay, anything that we give out of a pure motivation here, anything we give is bound to be uh, returned back to us through nature. This is one of the basic natural laws, okay? So when we give, uh, we get back that which we give, but it might come about in a different way. We might we get something better back, is what he says. So whatever we give, we shall receive back. This is the law of nature. And the same thing, if we take something or have something that we did not earn, well, we have to pay for that later. So you see... This polarity concept plays in that way again. But let's get back to the reading here. We can see, therefore, that the way to, prog to progress is to do your work. Do all that is in your power, asking for nothing in return. And by this holding disinterested action, the service will open the way for an unlimited influx from without. If we expect any compensation whatever for what we do, we limit the degree of our self-sacrifice, and in proportion as our renunciation is limited, so will the compensation which the law brings to us be limited likewise. Man is therefore benefiting himself in exact proportion as he benefits others. Likewise, he is injuring himself in exact proportions as he injures others. He cannot possibly do any good without receiving back the return. Neither can he in any manner do an evil or injury without being paid in return for it. For this reason, we are best serving our own interests when we are serving those of others. We are doing the greatest injury to ourselves when we are injuring another. And I'm going to pause right there, folks. Yeah, that's very profound, isn't it? Um, when we look at this idea, do good. Go about doing good. Isn't that what the, our mandate is here in this place? If, if everybody went about doing good and helping others, it would be a much better world, wouldn't it? Uh, think of others. Put others above, before yourself. So, you know, whatever you give, you, you get back. What you sow is what you reap. The Bible says that very clearly, doesn't it? I, I mean, many of these things are, are fundamental. Egoism and altruism are, therefore, identical. The man who is intelligently selfish is the most altruistic because he realizes that by being altruistic, he is conferring the greatest benefit upon himself. If men would only realize this law, they would see that they could not afford to injure another because they would, by so doing, injure themselves. And I'm going to pause right there, folks. Why do you think these rich elites and uh, these ruling classes here in the world, these ones that practice dark occult arts and, and things of that nature, that, that run very many of these corporations and stuff in our world and have all these billions of dollars, why do you think they do all all of this uh, philanthropic work. Why do you think they give away money the way that they do? They understand a little something about this law, and they're trying to uh, uh, do that so that they benefit. But you see, the intention that's behind that is not a good intention because they're intending for it to come back to themselves, you see. So it's not a true intention there. The intention is to be self-serving, and it all falls on intent. In my view, intention is everything. So if you have a false intention, like uh, your reasoning for doing something is not 
legitimately what you say it is, that will come back to to bite you later, in my view. But that is why they use this principle, because to give to others, they, they benefit in that way by getting back themselves. So you see, even, even those with this twisted mindset within the power structure, uh, the way that they they operate going about doing, uh, you know, many of these things that, uh, uh, harm people in the long term, but they, they also go around doing philanthropic work to try to balance that out. And the reason they do that is so that it comes back on themselves, uh, so that they get some of that good back. And, and that's why they do that thing. They would not hesitate to do any manner of good because they would realize by so doing that they would simply receive back good in return. All is justice. Nothing is lost. No deed or thought or word, either good or bad, can be expressed without bringing its return to the expressor. We often hear persons talking about a successful life or the man who has succeeded. A very interesting question would be what constitutes success? The average person measures the successful life in proportion to the amount of money or at least of physical comforts which the person has secured. You realize that the acquisition of knowledge and spiritual attainment are measures of the greatest success. You will see a person whose knowledge or spiritual attainment is the envy of these so-called successful people, and yet he is what they call a failure. But it was only by being a failure in material things that he became a success in the intellectual or spiritual. Intellectual and spiritual success is only attainable through material failure. Material success is only attainable through intellectual and spiritual failure. Going to pause there, folks. Do you hear that? Uh, this is talking about, you know, the opposite thing. Material success, it says, is only attainable through intellectual and spiritual failure. Okay? So by pursuing only the hyper-materialist things, and by pursuing material success, e.g. wealth and fame and all of that stuff, uh, you neglect your intellectual and spiritual sides. Okay? You insulate yourself from that, and you're bought into the hyper-materialist viewpoint. You see how this all ties together? If you're not, you know, a material success, that shows that you have either more intellectual and or more spiritual pursuits in your life. Things that take precedent over money and wealth and fame and power and all that stuff. See, all the hyper-materialist stuff. And that's not to say that uh, wealthy people aren't spiritual and stuff like that. Like, that that's not the case. I'm, I'm just saying as a general rule of thumb here that this it points out that those who pursue intellectual and spiritual things more so than material things, by and large, do not have uh, what the hyper-materialists in this world would call, quote-unquote, success. Okay? They're, they're not the ones that are... Uh, you know, living that Kardashian lifestyle, you know what I'm saying, where they, they have wealth and fame and all the cameras following them, the, the Hollywood nonsense, okay, that, that basically sums up what we would call quote-unquote success or material success in a nutshell, and uh, the people that don't have that, well, they probably have more intellectual or spiritual pursuits to pursue than those things, whereas the people that are involved in that, well, they're they're locked in this hypermaterialist paradigm, aren't they? And that's a sad state to be in because, in doing that, they've they've shut themselves down from the intellectual and spiritual side. So that's what this is pointing out, anyway. But let's get back to the reading. Those who believe in demonstrating what they call success 
have spoken of parties after this wise. Oh, that person has the knowledge, he understands the law thoroughly, and I would give anything in the world if I had the understanding that that person possesses. There is only one thing about him that I can't understand, and that is why a person of his knowledge and understanding should be poor. He ought to be rich with the knowledge that he has, to whom it might be said that it was because the person was poor and did not waste any of his valuable time making money that he was able to acquire this knowledge. The reason why he is so far superior in the line of understanding above these successful people is because he has never striven for what they call success. His whole mind, his whole power, in fact, has been concentrated upon the acquisition of knowledge. Because he renounced the desire for material things, he opened the way by which he may acquire the intellectual and the spiritual. Others have been known to say, I cannot understand how it is that with your great knowledge, your wonderful understanding of the truth, for you understand the law governing psychical and occult realms far better than any man I, I ever saw, how it is that you are not able to demonstrate success. Now, let us see if a man acquires the most accurate knowledge of these realms of any person living, or even if he falls far short of that accomplishment, but has a profound knowledge of nature. Has he not been successful in his struggle for the acquisition of those things? The successful man is the man who succeeds in accomplishing his purpose. If a man succeeds in learning a law of nature, is not he just as successful as the man who succeeds in making a fortune? It is all a matter of the standard by which we measure success. Persons who have different ideals will naturally consider success to be represented by different achievements. But the successful man is the man who realizes his ideal, whatever it may be, and no one else is successful. And I'm going to pause there, folks. So see, it's the whole thing. How do we define the word success? Okay. Uh, are, are you successful in the things you want to be? If you're just seeking wealth and fame and that kind of stuff, um, then that's you, you've had your reward. If, if that's what you're doing, if that's that's the kind of lifestyle you want and those are the things you care about and you know you, you achieve that, well, you've had your measure of success, haven't you? Uh, but in my view, I think that's kind of an empty existence. Uh, there's There's something greater. Uh, to all of this than this material world we live in, this physical world around us that we see. Um, and I personally, I, I try to strive to find the more spiritual component of things. And, um, you know, many many people in this community, they, they do look for more of these intellectual or spiritual pursuits. So don't measure your success by what the worldly power structure tells you what success is by what uh, they portray as success on the television through the Hollywood media and stuff like that. That's not necessarily success, okay? Um, th that's the thing. You, you, you're Just because you haven't achieved some level of fame or wealth or something like that doesn't mean you're not successful. Or if you haven't, uh, you know, achieved these high award statuses in whatever job it is you do and that kind of thing, or, or this lofty position in a company or anything like that, it doesn't mean you're not successful. It all depends. What, what do you want to be successful at? See, that, that's the whole point. I mean, it, it's all a measure, matter of how we measure our successes and our failures and that kind of thing. So those that are focused primarily on the acquisition of wealth, well, that's a sad place to be. It should be 
a secondary pursuit of people, in my view. I, I think you, you should do that which you love, first and foremost, and seek those things which you really find value in and care about, first and foremost. And some people, that might be material things, and, you know, good for them. But uh, you know what? At the end of the day, uh, intellectually and spiritually, they will suffer for that because that's you're just closing out some things that I view, and this is just my opinion, and maybe everybody doesn't share my point of view, but I, I think the spiritual aspect of things and the intellectual aspect of things are more important things to pursue than just the, the sheer pursuit of wealth and worldly things. It's, it's very fleeting. This life is fleeting, and there's something greater beyond here. So I, I don't think that focusing on just being comfortable and 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 being happy here uh, with material goods and, and things of that nature, I, I don't see that, in my view, as being something desirable. Um, yeah, it, it's nice to be able to have money and stuff and, and things like that, but it shouldn't be the primary pursuit. And for many people, it is the primary pursuit, and that's their prerogative if they want to do that. So I'm, I'm not trying to badmouth anybody or anything like that. I, I don't want to come off that way, but I, I'm just saying, uh, according to this, this law here, the law of balance, uh, there has to be some kind of a, a, a counterbalance to these things, okay? You will find success at what it is that you truly seek, and what you seek might be different from what other people seek. So uh, don't measure your success by somebody else's measure, okay? That's the whole thing, by, by somebody else's, uh, what they would consider success for them. It's not the same for each person. Uh, let's get on with the reading. What is it which causes one man to realize his ideal while another fails in doing so? The answer is quite simple. The one succeeds who renounces every other desire, every other aspiration when it comes to comparing with his ideal. The one purpose of his existence is the realization of the ideal, and because of this fact, he becomes the very embodiment of this purpose, this ideal. He becomes wholly negative to it and positive to everything which will conflict with it. As a result, he is absolutely certain to succeed. Whereas the man whose efforts are divided, whose forces are diffused, who does not put his whole soul into the struggle is bound to fail. And I'm going to pause there, folks, because it might be confusing for some people when he's talking about he becomes wholly negative to it. It doesn't mean that he, he becomes uh, against that. It, it's talking about polarity. Think in terms of a battery, a positive and a negative charge. Uh, so because he becomes negative to it he becomes the negative charge so the positive thing which it is that which he seeks will come to him okay uh, i just wanted to clear that up because i see uh, in the reading here where that could be a little confusing as we go through and i just wanted to clarify that point uh, it's polarity you see and that's the whole point the polarity when you look at the, the magnets uh, like the polarity of a magnet the positive and the negative pole they attract each other so this is talking very much about uh, the law of attraction. So whatever it is you seek wholeheartedly and earnestly uh, above all other things is that which you will attract to you. You will become the negative pole to that, and that thing itself will be the positive pole and will come to you that way. Uh, so, uh, you know, but not to belabor that point, I just wanted to make that clarification here. When the man realizes that material things are not worth having, 
But the only thing of value is the spiritual, or at least the mental understanding of the truth. He naturally puts forth all his effort to acquire that which he regards as most valuable. As a result, he realizes that. He demonstrates success, even if he starves to death, because he has succeeded in realizing his ideal. The man who does not realize his ideal is a total failure, no matter if he owns the earth. It must be borne in mind that this law of balance is not merely a moral principle. It is not to be conceived in the sense of a reward, a man's good intentions, or anything of the kind, but it is simply the application of the law of polarity. It is a simple problem of chemical affinity. We separate from the lower and unite with the higher. We unite with the lower. We must necessarily be separated from the higher. It is true there may be a symmetrical development all along the line, but a person who is proficient in all lines can excel in none. So you're going to pause there. Have you ever heard the expression, jack-of-all-trades, master of none? Well, that's what this is talking about here. The specialist is at all times far superior to the general practitioner. Likewise, the person who renounces one line of effort and achievement in order that he may devote all his attention to the other is bound to far outstrip the one who tries to work on all lines. This is the law. There is no escape from it. As man sows, so will he reap. He can never reap that which he has not sown. Thus, it must always be borne in mind that this law is as fundamental a law of nature as anything can be. It is a form of chemical affinity and, therefore, cannot be defeated. We escape from evil by doing good. This law is, in reality, the secret underlying all ethical systems. When man intelligently awakens to a realization of the law of balance, he will, in that way alone, attain unto the most perfect conception of right relations, because he will know that he must pay for what he gets and must get what he pays for. The solution of good and evil, right and wrong, and everything of the kind is, therefore, contained in an understanding of this law. And I'm going to pause there, folks. That's some pretty profound thinking right there, isn't it? Uh, basically, what I would take out of that is, is go about doing good. And, and that's the bottom line. If, if we just go about doing good, then, you know, good things will come back to us, and evil will elude us. And, and that's pretty much what we want. That's the law of nature. Uh, if you, you understand that, go about doing good, do the right thing. It, it will come back and, and benefit you. And it, likewise, if you do the wrong things and you go about doing bad things, they'll come back to bite you later. That's, that's the way this works. Um, what you sow, that is what you'll reap. It, it went ahead and just quoted that right from the Bible here, right now. So, that's a truth. Anyway, back to the reading. Those silly idealists or fanatics who have renounced everything of a worldly character, have given up themselves entirely to the contemplation of the ideal, have, therefore, been far more practical, shown far more common sense and business judgment than anything else. They have realized that there was a certain end which they wish to accomplish, and have known that the only way by which they might accomplish this end is by giving up, withdrawing their effort from everything which would withdraw them from this activity. There are two kinds of riches, those without and those within. 
The Stoics were right in realizing and maintaining that to have the mind centered upon the acquisition of external riches would prevent the acquisition of internal riches. As long as the fallacy of owning things continues to actuate a person, it is utterly impossible for him to be anything. The wealth of the soul is never compatible with the desire for external wealth. Man must decide whether he wants to have something or to be something. The two do not go together. The cynics, therefore, in teaching that man is rich in proportion to the things which he could do without, not in proportion to the things which he had, were perfectly correct. The purpose of philosophy was to make the soul independent of the appearance of their finding within itself full satisfaction for all its aspirations, asking nothing but that it might be great. And when we realize this lesson, we cease to worry about the compensation which we are to receive for our superior attainments. For we realize that the possession of those superior attainments is far superior to any other compensation which we might possibly receive. And I'm going to pause right there. Once again, you can either have something or be someone. See, that's kind of a profound thing to think about, isn't it? He says here, if you want to have something or be something. So the only thing we can do is decide, do you want to have things or do you want to be something? And that's that's the bottom line here. It's very fleeting. Like I said, Wealth, fame, any of that stuff, material things, this physical world we live in. It's very fleeting. Life moves very quickly. It goes fast. And there's something beyond. So what do you want your legacy to be in this world? Do you want your legacy to be, well, he went to work every day and he worked 60 hours a week and he had a big house and three cars and, like, you know, went on vacation twice a year and had all this wealth and fame and everything else and you know or or do you want somebody to remember you for uh something important or or something uh, a little more valuable you want somebody to remember you for for some kind of lesson or something an important life lesson that they learned from you or just the way you made them feel or do you want them to remember you as a yeah it was that rich guy you know that rich guy with all the cars and, you know, the, the big house and everything else that everybody wanted to be like. He was kind of a jerk, but, uh, you know, he had all this money and everything and he would go flaunting it around and stuff. How do you want to be remembered? What kind of a legacy do you want to leave behind for your, your children, for your progeny? Do you, do you want them to remember? Yeah, you know, uh, he, he was always busy off at work. And he made all this money, and we had this big, lavish house, and but it sat empty because nobody was ever home. Think about that. What what kind of a mark do you want to leave on this world? Um, and that's the thing. I mean, we're, we're here temporarily. Life is fleeting, like I said. And, uh, you know, we, we want to contemplate these things. Do you want to, do you want to live in this hyper-materialist type of a, a lifestyle where you're you're just keeping up with the Joneses and you know just all about uh, appearances and stuff like that, or would you rather be remembered for you know maybe maybe something a little bit deeper? It's something we all need to to deal with at some point, and and not everybody's at the same level here, and 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 I get that, 
And I think we all get that. We're all in different places in our lives, but it's, it's a path that we travel down. It's a journey. And we're all in different phases of our journey. And we just need to take a step back once in a while and see this crazy chaotic world we live in and, and realize this isn't all there is. All right. And, and attaining some measure of success by, you know, the definition that the TV gives us. This is not necessarily what we need as a person individually in our journey. Okay. Everybody's different and we all have different needs, different wants, different ideals. And that's what this is talking about ideals. So what is your ideal? What, what, what is it that you want to succeed in? Um, these, these are questions we all have to ask ourselves. So, uh, let's get back to the reading here, though. Indifference to the appearance of things opens the way to the attainment of reality. The man who has no fear of the external is the only one who is free. All other are slaves. I'm going to pause right there, folks. I'm going to read that again, slowly here, so that we could let that sink in, because this, this is a key point right here. The man who has no fear of the external is the only one who is free. All others are slaves. Think about that. Let that sink in for a minute. Let's continue with the reading. The man attains this state of not fearing the external because he realizes that the external cannot give him anything worth having. Neither can it deprive him of anything of value. He is therefore absolutely independent because he is absolutely indifferent to either the friendship or enmity of anything outside of himself. He says to the universe, I need you not. Having become thus independent of everything and everybody outside of himself, he is ready to serve in an absolutely disinterested manner, doing good without hope, expectation, or desire of any reward, for the simple reason that there is nothing that can be given to him that he wants. As long as man works and cooperates with the idea of mutual helpfulness, mutual assistance, service for service, his good deeds are selfish. Therefore, their fruit must be limited. But when he renounces all desire for anything from another, all expectation or wish for help, gratitude or anything in return, acting purely from principle, he thus removes all limitations from his service. He serves in the same disinterested manner that God does. Therefore, he opens the way for an unlimited return. The person who completely casts out all desire for anything in the way of return for his services immediately opens the way for the greatest possible return. It is the law of balance, bringing back to you whatever you put in. This is the secret to attainment. No one can ever attain the heights except as he follows along this path. The man who has separated himself from all selfish or personal considerations, who does not ask for gratitude or love, immediately opens the way by which he may enter into that unity with the divine, for he has acquired divine attributes. As God shows no partiality and expects no return, but causes the sun to shine upon the evil and the good, sends the rain upon the just and the unjust, acting from the standpoint of principle absolutely, so man, by expressing those qualities, separates himself from all mundane attractions, cuts himself loose from humanity by extinguishing human frailties, and unites himself with God by expressing divine attributes. And I'm going to pause right there, folks. So you see, 
And what this is saying is that if you give freely of yourself without any expectation in return, if, if you have um, just this desire just to help or, or to be the change that you want to see in this world, that's, that's the whole point. Be the change that you want to see in the world. See, if you, you do that and you, you give unto others freely and without any expectation of anything in return, um, all these things will be added unto you. That's exactly what the Bible says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So that's, that's the thing. And many people seek things uh, with ulterior motives in mind. Be true. Be right in your spirit. And, and seek these things with just good intention. Just go out. Do good unto others without expectation in return. Okay? This is the law. The law of nature. Do good works. Go forth. Do good things. And you will be rewarded for it. And it's plain and simple. But don't seek that reward. Just go and do the good things. This is why I, I always will stand uh, by this simple rule that I live by. If you know something's the right thing to do, just do it. That's it. It's, it's simple. If you know something's the right thing to do, do it. And you won't be sorry because, you know, it, that will come back later. Do right. Do good. That's the, the bottom line here. Let's get back to the reading. In just that proportion, you put into practice this general principle of renunciation of the external, so will you acquire the internal. In just that proportion that you cease to desire the lower, you will receive the higher. The positive must respond to the negative all the way through life. People are all the time kicking because their prayers are not always answered. Prayers are always answered. Going to pause there. See, people think... You know, it says here people are all the time kicking because their prayers are not always answered. But then it goes on to say prayers are always answered. And that's an important concept to keep in mind. You might not get the answer that you desired, per se, but it's the answer that, uh, you know, is best for you. So, let's continue with the reading. Prayer is the sincere desire of the heart. And that which is sincerely desired will be drawn to the being who desires it. Men are always asking for material things and then kick because they do not acquire the spiritual. Man is hoping, praying, working, and striving to get things of the external and then is worried because of his internal poverty. He is so anxious to get something that he never has time to be anything. Character, internal wealth, soul growth, are only possible when the desire and aspiration are fixed upon those qualities. So long as we desire that which is without, we will absolutely be unable to develop anything within. Nothing can keep you out of your own, and if you make the material your own, you will get it, and if you make the spiritual your own, you will get that. But you have got to pay for whatever you receive." Spiritual wealth is paid for by material poverty, and material wealth is paid for by spiritual poverty. Spiritual poverty brings material wealth. Material poverty tends, in many instances, to bring spiritual wealth. It is altogether a question of the direction in which the mind and heart are concentrated. Where a man's treasure is, there his heart will be also.
Likewise, where a man's heart is, there will his treasure be pretty apt to develop itself. Gonna pause there. Once again, this alludes to this biblical principle. Uh, so, you see, uh, these these are some truths that we need to understand and face. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. See, it's it's these kind of concepts uh, that talks about this this law of balance. And uh, once again, I mean, I will invoke that uh, that same phrase from the Bible again. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And that's that's probably the more important thing, I would say, because, uh, you know, this life, as I've said previously numerous times in this broadcast already, is fleeting. It goes very quickly. Uh, our time here is limited. Uh, there's something greater. I would, I would rather seek for the eternal rather than the temporal. The material things, they're all very fleeting. They come and go. Money, the acquisition of money, it, it, somebody else winds up spending it anyway. Uh, you, you see the story of, uh, and this is reflected in the Bible, the wealthy man that stores up all this money. He acquires all these goods and things. And when he dies, who gets it? His kids that usually squander it away. Uh, or his relatives that he didn't like or whatever. So he worked hard all his life, acquired all this stuff, never had the chance to enjoy it, and somebody else fleetingly dilly-dallies it away. And and, and that's the thing. I mean, we, we need to just be mindful that this world we're in is, is a very temporary place. And there's an eternity we need to think about. So that being the case, you know, I, I try to fix my my focus on these more spiritual aspects of things, and that's not necessarily something for everybody. Uh, a lot of people, you know, are, are more into this material world, and, and, you know, they may not have that affinity for spiritual things. They, you know, there's a lot of atheists and stuff out there that uh, they just don't believe in anything higher than what's here, than what their five physical senses can detect, or what, quote-unquote, science can measure. And that's their prerogative. They're, they could do that, but they do that at the expense of this spiritual growth, then, if that's the case. The, the inside. This is focusing on the external rather than the internal, and that's what this is talking about here. Anyway, let's get back to the reading. I think we're almost done here. The law of balance gives the key to the demonstration of success in any line which man may aspire to succeed in. The law is perfect and cannot fail. Beggars are failures in the spiritual and mental world, usually as much as in the physical. The man who is not willing to pay for what he receives from nature is just as much of a bum as the man who is not willing to pay for his bread upon the physical plane, and bums never succeed in the development of character. The law of balance must be recognized and obeyed. Being recognized and obeyed, it will lead the soul to the highest possible attainment. And that's the end of Lesson 3 of Hermetic Science of Motion and Number. And it leaves us thinking about and pondering upon some various serious questions, doesn't it? Uh, when we look at this, we, we need to understand this law of balance. Okay, we need to understand that... Uh, you know, this relates to things like the law of attraction, and uh, it's focused primarily on polarity. And that, that's an important principle in our world, 
Uh, it, it's a simple principle that everybody overlooks. Uh, when you could correspond everything down to two basic principles, electricity and magnetism, the positive and the negative, polarity. When you could do that, you could, you could, you could pretty much break down any portion of our world into that kind of a distinction. You begin to understand things so much better. That, that's an important concept here to, to understand and realize. That being the case, I, I think it's important that we understand this law of balance. And this, this is a great book. Uh, it's, it's available out there for free. You can get it as a free PDF download. I think you can find it on Internet Archive if you're looking for it. It's definitely worth a read. Uh, this fellow, this A.S. Raleigh, uh, really understood some of these principles really well. And he does a great job putting it together. Writers back in that era, they were a lot more articulate than we are today. But anyway... Thanks, folks.
Coming December 16th, 2022, the new home for free speech, Free World FM, the alternative to the alternative. Keep on talking in the free world.